Welcome back to another episode of Civil Liberties On Demand. I am your host, Christina Ryan, and in today's episode, we're going to be touching base on the Fourth Amendment and more specifically issues of privacy that arose during the landmark case of Cats v. United States. So stay tuned and enjoy. So before we get started, let's talk about exactly what the Fourth Amendment states. What rights are we guaranteed? So the Fourth Amendment states that the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrant shall issue but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. So there was a lot packed into that statement, so we're going to kind of break it down, starting with... um, that warrant stipulation, where it says no warrant shall issue but upon probable cause. So why did the framers include this in the Constitution? Why was this important for them? The reason for the inclusion of the warrant stipulation is that in Britain there existed what was called writs of assistance. So this was kind of like the first establishment of warrants, but they weren't really warrants because they were very lenient. It was basically a mechanism that allowed British to seize and search whatever property they wanted as a means to pay back taxes. So they could give whatever reason came to mind. It didn't have to be reasonable. It was just whatever the Britons thought was sufficient enough for them to search or seize uh, property. Obviously, when the founders began drafting the Constitution, they wanted to improve upon these writs of assistance. They did not think they were fair, and so as such, they made sure to include that um, warrants shall be issued only upon probable cause. And you had to have a good reason to search or see somebody's property or person, and that warrant had to be very specific. It had to describe the place to be searched and the persons and things to be seized so that there was maximum amount of fairness. So the Fourth Amendment is very unique in that unlike the others, like the First Amendment, there's general agreement upon the test that helps determine whether there has been a violation of this amendment. For example, in the First Amendment, there is the um, endorsement clause and there's also the lemon test and things like that. So there's a little variability when it comes to determining violations of First Amendment. But with the Fourth Amendment, there has been general agreement that a violation of the amendment occurs when there is an expectation of privacy that is violated. So this expectation of privacy is used um, in cases of Fourth Amendment to determine whether there was a violation. So, on the surface, the guarantees and rights established in the Fourth Amendment are clear. You know, you can't have a warrant without probable cause. You can't have unreasonable searches and seizures. It all sounds very good. But when you really get into the Fourth Amendment, we begin questioning, well, what's unreasonable? You know, what is probable cause? So there are these kind of variability in the wording of the Fourth Amendment. So that has led to a lot of court cases kind of questioning what exactly is unreasonable and 
has also come into question different exceptions to the warrant stipulation, which we will also talk about. But before all that, I wanted to talk about a pretty famous case, a landmark case that really provided the groundwork for the test that we just talked about, the expectation of privacy. So the case is Katz v. United States. So in my constitutional civil liberties class, we were assigned to watch a C-SPAN documentary on the Katz, tape, Katz case, which um, helped establish third-party review for search warrants. So this landmark case was actually really interesting because I have learned about it in my other um, kind of government classes, but we never really got into specific details. And so this documentary did a really great job of just kind of giving the outlines of this case and explaining why it was so important um, in regards to the Fourth Amendment and especially for this expectation of privacy. So kind of the background of this case, um, Katz was suspected of participating in illegal gambling. Um, so the FBI decided to bug the phone booths that Katz frequented, frequented on Sunset Boulevard. So these phone booths were very close to the Sunset Boulevard, to the hotel that Katz was staying at. And so the FBI knew this and decided to, again, bug the phone booth. But what's important here is that the FBI did not get a warrant because they were kind of tricky about this. They placed the recording devices on top of the phone booth. So they never technically trespassed the area. And before Cats v. United States, it was kind of assumed that in order to trigger unreasonable searches and seizures, there had to be a physical trespass. But since it was placed on top of the phone booth, that was never triggered. So it was assumed that no warrant was necessary. So Katz obviously went and used the phone booths. He closed the door and he did um, his illegal gambling and they caught a lot of incriminating information via those recording devices. And with that evidence they collected, they arrested Charles Katz. So Katz sued and his lawyer, Harvey Schneider, began making his case. And what's interesting about Schneider was that he wasn't really a well-known lawyer. You know, he hadn't had many big cases. So this was his first big case. So what's interesting is that Schneider kind of framed um, this case in a completely unique way. And because of that, we get this landmark decision. So instead of focusing on whether there was a trespass like previous cases have, Schneider reframed the issue by asking whether Katz had a reasonable expectation of privacy. So there's that test that I was talking about before. So he wanted to know, did Charles Katz, when he closed the phone booth door, have a reasonable expectation of privacy? And so obviously Schneider argued that yes, he did. So, and the key point there is that the phone booth had a door. So by closing that door and kind of insulating yourself, you are, you have this expectation of privacy. Um, so that's kind of the background of the story. And during oral arguments, actually a lot of the 
Supreme Court justices changed their mind in response to Schneider's arguments about this expectation of privacy, which is actually pretty rare. They allowed Schneider to continue his oral arguments, which we know now that many Supreme Court justices kind of talk over each other or to each other, and so it can get very hard to get through oral arguments. But these justices listened to Schneider, listened to his arguments, and as a result, many of them changed their decision. So the end result was that the courts agreed with Schneider with a seven to one majority, which is actually a pretty significant majority, especially for this case. Um, and the reason that this case is so important is that it changed the meaning of unreasonable searches and seizures so that it does not require a physical trespass. So as long as you expect some sort of privacy, then you trigger the Fourth Amendment. And because you trigger the Fourth Amendment, that means you must have a warrant with probable cause. So not only did the Katz case not require a physical trespass for searches and seizures, but it also helped establish third-party review for search warrants. So what is third-party review? So basically, whenever there is an instance when law enforcement needs to search somebody's house or car or whatever the case may be, they must get a warrant with probable cause and it must be given by a third party, usually a judge or magistrate. So this case also helped establish that important stipulation. And yet another reason why this case is so important is because as we're moving to the digital era, Numerous private privacy cases have come up because, you know, there's no longer a physical trespass in the digital era. More private information is available via the internet and information is so easily accessible through technology and it begs the question about how much privacy are citizens entitled to in this digital era. I think that thinking about what privacy rights we are entitled to, especially as, you know, young people, as college students, is an important thing to keep in mind because, you know, we do put a lot of information out there and we might have this expectation of privacy that is not being protected because other lawmakers or judges or politicians even might not think that these are worthy of Fourth Amendment protections, but we as young people would think, yes, that I do have an expectation of privacy. So it's important to think about these things and think about how much privacy am I being allocated when I put my information out there. So after Cats v. United States, there has been numerous cases that have also addressed uh, privacy issues as we become more technologically advanced. So, for example, in Kylo v. United States, it was ruled that thermal imaging was considered a search because it revealed, you know, private affairs in the home that you wouldn't be able to see if it were not for that thermal technology. In addition, it was also not considered to be plain view. In addition, there has been a lot of cases concerning GPS tracking because, you know, all of our phones... Um, and even a lot of the cars nowadays come with GPS tracking, and we might not even think that the police might be able to use this information um, without a warrant. So there's been a lot 
of cases concerning this, but overall, um, the courts have decided that a GPS tracking is considered a search and requires a warrant. And so that's why it's so important to think about these privacy issues, because we might not have even thought that, oh, do we want law enforcement to be able to track us without us knowing, without a warrant, you know, without probable cause? So by thinking about these things, we're able to kind of fix or amend or just add to what the Constitution has given us. And so it's important to keep these things in mind so that we can continue being protected by the Fourth Amendment. So another important case that came about after Katz v. United States was Carpenter v. United States. And this case is interesting because it has a different ending than Katz. So a little bit of background. Carpenter was charged with about six counts of robbery and law enforcement received information about his cell phone using his cell phone carrier without a warrant of probable cause. They obtained the cell phone records under the Stored Communications Act, which I believe only required reasonable suspicion, which is much lower um, than probable cause. Carpenter moved to suppress um, the data and the evidence found from the cell phone location arguing that because the warrant did not have probable cause, it violated his Fourth Amendment right to unreasonable searches and seizures. So originally, the district court actually denied this motion, and so trial went forward and prosecutors were able to use the evidence from cell phone um, location to prove that he was near and around those robberies. So Carpenter was convicted, and this court went all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court, where just very recently they shared their decision saying that he lacked a reasonable expectation in his location because he had shared it with his wireless carriers. So the information that the FBI obtained, his cell phone location, was actually from a third party from a cell site location. So it wasn't his personal information and because he shared it with the third party, the Supreme Court justices argued that because he did that, he no longer had an expectation of privacy. So as you can see, debates about the Fourth Amendment kind of go back and forth. Cats v. United States didn't, you know, eliminate past precedent, but it has certainly allowed us to kind of think about what privacy rights we are entitled to. And as we can see from Carpenter v. United States, sometimes um, debating what we are entitled to in regards to privacy can get very difficult during the digital era because we do put a lot of information out there on the internet and it's hard to kind of tell how much of that are we entitled to and how much of that we have freely given up. So the reason I chose to talk about the Fourth Amendment and to talk about, you know, the importance of Cats v. United States and all the other cases that followed is because I think as young people and as a college student myself, sometimes it's easy to forget how much information we put out there and may not even think about whether by putting that information out there, we are implicitly 
giving away our privacy rights so that law enforcement can freely use that without probable cause. And, you know, as young people, we, I mean, I think we use the internet and social media more often than our parents and even more so our grandparents. So more we're willing to put things out there. So I think it's important that we kind of review these past court cases to see, you know, what's the precedent and how has that precedent been altered? Like we saw with Tats v. United States. Before this case, there was kind of an agreement that there had to be some kind of physical trespass in order to trigger the Fourth Amendment. But after Katz v. United States, that kind of changed a bit. It didn't completely eliminate it, but it did kind of open the doors for privacy rights. But then we saw with Carpenter v. United States that once we give away our data to third-party companies, we kind of lose our right to that expectation of privacy. We give up that right by doing that, by giving away our information to third parties. So it's important to think about that, especially like when you're signing contracts or when you're, even when you have a new internet provider to know that I'm giving up my information and therefore I'm giving up my expectation of privacy. So it will be interesting to see how this reasonable expectation of privacy is interpreted as we continue through the digital era, as technology becomes more advanced, um, as we continue to put more and more information on the internet, it'll be interesting to see how the Supreme Court justices will continue to interpret this. Are they gonna continue with precedent, precedent or are they going to change kind of with the times? So we'll be looking out to see what Supreme Court justices do in the future regarding Fourth Amendment. So that is the end of this episode. Um, Thank you for listening as we went through the Katz case and we talked about different implication of privacy rights as we enter into the digital era. Stay tuned for the next episode as we continue to look at the Fourth Amendment and the numerous exceptions to warrants and probable cause. So stay tuned.